Last week, we started a sermon series called Margin. You know, and as we come into this new year, I think probably a number of us maybe kind of sat down and thought about, hey, it's, it's a new year. I wonder where I want to grow or what I want to do this year. Maybe some of you guys are planners. You actually took out a schedule and you started lining out, planning events, planning a vacation, planning whatever you're doing. Um, so and that's, 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 I want to encourage us to do that. And as I said last week, I don't think there's anything special necessarily about the month of January that God uses more than the month of December or November. But I do believe God honors when his people slow down and take time to seek him and say, God, what have you done in my life and what are you doing and where do you want to take me in this next season? I believe God honors when we slow down and, and seek him and seek his will and seek his presence. And so, you know, we, we kind of come into the new year, many of us with kind of just fresh vision and fresh life. Maybe hopefully, hopefully you got some rest over Christmas. But as I said this last week, you know, we come in with fresh vision and we come right back into a crazy busy culture and lives that we live. And so oftentimes, um, if you join in me, I mean, I, you know, I got vision and then I come back and life does not stop. So it's kind of like, oh man, that was so refreshing. We come back, it's like, boom, and we're hitting the ground running again. And all of a sudden it's Thursday or the first week back at work or back at school for different ones. You're like, what, what happened? What was I praying into or hoping to focus my life on this year again? Life Life doesn't slow down. A lot of times that we kind of come in and stack those things we want to grow in or stack those places we want to say, this is the most important part of my life. We try and kind of stack it on top of everything else we have going on. And a lot of times that kind of doesn't work very well. This last week, so as we started talking about margin, making room for what matters. How do we make room for the things, as we step into 2018, how do we make room for what matters to us the most? So last week we talked about Mary and Martha and that story, if you're familiar with that, and we talked about um, how how, um, oftentimes we're busy doing good things instead of God things because we don't fully trust God with all the things he's put in our lives. We talked about trusting God to make emotional margin in our life, but if, if you're out there and you're like me, you're thinking, okay, that's great, you know, trust God. You might even be saying, well, you're just a pastor, so all you do is pray and write sermons all week, so you got nothing better to do than trust God. So it's easy for you to say, which there's a few more things than that that I do. But you're probably thinking, how does this work out practically? Great, like trust God, love the heart, Mark, you know, like, Love it. I know I'm supposed to trust God, but how in the world I got this list of things going on? How do I fit this in with this list of things that I know I need to do to make a paycheck and to, you know, pay my rent and do the different things that I need to do? I want to go into a scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. Turn to Ephesians 5 if you... um, If you don't have a Bible, have uh, some people walking down the aisles with some Bibles to put your hand up. You believe, I, I believe, as I said last week, I believe that being more at rest in how we live our lives and more fruitful in our lives does not have to be mutually exclusive. Living more at rest, experiencing the fruit and joy of having more margin in our lives and living more fruitful lives does not have to be mutually exclusive. Now, throughout Scripture, there are numerous places where God, through his word, calls us 
to be wise in how we focus our energy and time. And one of that, one of those places in the, is in Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. We're going to look at verses fifteen to seventeen. So as we're turning there, you know, the book of Ephesians, if you're familiar with it, the first three chapters, it's six chapters long, the first three chapters are really focused on the work that God did for us on the cross. Who God is, the work of the cross, what that means for our lives. Now the second half of the book, the last three chapters, are very practical. They're how we live in light of the work of the cross. So the book of Ephesians is this kind of very beautiful book that very clearly explains the good news of Jesus for us and these implications in the second half of how, therefore, we live our lives. And so Ephesians chapter 5 is kind of in the middle of that more practical segment of, of the implications. If, if Jesus gave us everything, how ought we, therefore, to live our lives? Ephesians 5 is kind of in the middle, and it says this, starting in verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to read that one more time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, as he starts, he says, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. What's he talking about? Why should we be careful how we live? Well, if you kind of look at the context, the the part before that is talking about um, awakening. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. In light of the, the work of Jesus... In light of the work of the cross, in light of the, uh, because of the light of Christ that is shining on our lives, because we are a new creation, because we are called and have a purpose and have a hope, we live with our time and practically to the Lord. He came to the earth, he took our sins on the cross, he rose from the dead, defeating, defeating the power of sin, and on top of that he gave us to be partakers in his kingdom. He redeemed us. You guys sit there and just think for a second. You, if you're a Christian, you are redeemed. You are redeemed. You are a new creation. You might feel like someone else. You are redeemed. You are redeemed in in our lives. Therefore, he bought us as his own so that we could be free. And it says this, though. Our lives are in 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, it says this, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price, and so now glorify God in your body. Jesus gave it all for us, and so therefore, we want to give it all for him in our lives. We want to live with our time, our resources, our heart, our emotions to the Lord. Now, that word carefully means to kind of take heed, so Kind of says, therefore, to take heed how you live. Now, why should we take heed in how we live? Now, just think practically for a minute. I don't think if you're sitting here and you have a, a handful or more of responsibilities in your life, nobody with lots of responsibilities ever went into a week or a season in their life unclear on what their priorities are with no plan, 
just reacting to whatever came up and left that season and be like, that was so effective and fruitful. No one has ever just drifted into the seasons of life and just said yes to everything that came up and came out and be like, I really feel connected with God. I really feel like I'm living my life to love people and really feel like I'm you know, making an impact. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. The, the world, the needs around us, the chaos, and, and I, I join you guys. I mean, everything, our schedules, our responsibilities, everything pulls us towards just living in the frantic, reacting to the needs around us. I heard one pastor put it like this. It's kind of like if you ever had your steering out of alignment. Everyone, everyone, anyone ever experienced that? And you're driving, and, and you have to continually put pressure one way so you don't go the other way so that you can go straight. It always pulls the way that is out of alignment. So it is with life. Everything in life, the things that feel so urgent, the, the text messages, the social media things, the, the, the work needs, the bills, everything screams, this is urgent, this is urgent, you need to attend to this now. And so we often end up giving ourselves, and all of a sudden we wonder why we're driving off the road experiencing a little bumpy ride. But if we want to see fruitfulness in our lives, we need to apply faithfulness in how we use our time. If we want to see fruitfulness in our lives, if we want to be fruitful in the things that God has called us to in this season, if we want to be fruitful in the things that he's placed in our hearts to grow in or do or whatever, you know, maybe you took some time during our say law service last year and, and God placed some things in our heart. Maybe he's saying, I want to invest in my marriage. I want to be more intentional at school or whatever it is. If we want to see fruitfulness in our lives, we need to apply faithfulness to our time. Verse 15 and 16 says this, be not unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Be not unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Now, I want to pay special attention to those words, wise and best. Wise and best. Let's start with best. So last week, we, we talked about Mary and Martha. If you guys remember that story, right? And, and you kind of feel it because, number one, I feel like Mary, or I'm sorry, I feel like Martha a lot of the times, just kind of going along and just trying to keep up with everything and frustrated with the people around me that they're not doing something about it, right? And like, Jesus, I'm trying to love you, but I'm trying to do everything as well and host you, you know, and do all these things. And we talked about, you know, what, what, what was it? that pulled Martha, that word distracted, that we talked about last week, to literally means to kind of pull away from, what was it that distracted Martha from the best things? It wasn't sin. She wasn't gonna go out and just live some crazy life, like, peace, Jesus, I'm going to the club, I'll see you later. No, she, she was distracted by the good things that kept her from the God things. She was serving, Right? No, we, we want everyone in our church to serve. It's right, you know? But it wasn't the best thing in that moment. As Jesus said, she has chosen what is best, and it will not be taken from her. Right? So we have a battle between good and best, and you see it again here in Ephesians 5, making the, not 
decent use of your time, not pretty good use of your time. Paul is being clear. He's saying, in light of what Jesus has done in the world and temptation around us and everything, in light of all that, we want to make the best use of our time because the days are evil. And it says, right, living not as unwise, but wise. So we talk about best. I want to talk about wise. We need to be wise with our time. So often we make decisions not out of wisdom, but because we got nothing going on on our calendar, right? Or we make a decision because it feels good in a moment, which isn't always bad. But so often our grid on how we, how we decide to spend our time is, hey, can you do this? I don't have a meeting. Sure. Can you do this? Uh, I got nothing going on. Can you just do this? Or, or we, I want to just do this. I want to just chill here. I want to do this. And they're like, yes, 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 yes. And we don't know we're saying all those yeses because we're just kind of in the flow. You know what I mean? And you ever notice that? Like you make a plan when you pull back and all of a sudden like your life is a whirlwind. And I used to think if I have my life like perfectly in order, it won't be a whirlwind. But it just is, you know? It just, life is a whirlwind, you know? You throw some kids in there, you throw a job, or even different ones of you students. I mean, school alone can be really busy. Life is a whirlwind. So you're not like cognitively being like, let me pray about whether I will hang out with you today, you know? Hmm, no, no. We just kind of, there's a lot of decisions we make. But so often, our grid is are we available, and we wonder why we're busy. As I talked about last week, how are you doing? Busy. How are things with God? Busy. How's church? Busy. You know, hadn't seen in a while. Busy. You know? I want to propose that our, our question isn't, is it good? I mean, there's a lot of good things, and we could fill our calendar with good things. We could be doing good things for God that are good, godly things, but not be doing God things. So I want to propose that our question be, is it wise? Is it wise? Right? It says, be not unwise, but wise. Is it wise? Well, you might be saying, okay, well, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't know my life. I, I'm busy, and I want to say, hey, we, we're, we feel your pain, so we're in this together. I don't have this figured out. As I said last week, I'm, I'm preaching this from being a learner as well. We are actively working towards more margin in our life. And it has been very awesome, the margin we've made. So I just want to look practically at our week, okay? Move this out here a little bit farther. All right, we got a little time budget. Now, in Southern California, you need to throw in commute time, you know? <laughs> That's not always the case ever, but, but you got to throw in commute time. So let's just, let's just kind of take a look at our hours. So the week, let's say, you know, you probably got to work a good 50 hours at times. you kind of like, hey, I want to keep up. So let's just say you work 50 hours a week. Some of you work less than that. Some of you work a little bit more than that. You're going to have weeks that are more. You're going to have weeks that are less. But let's just say you work about 50 hours a week. And let me just start, you know, we do have 168 hours in the week, so... Hey, my writing's pretty good. 
I have to have people write this for me beforehand because you couldn't read it. But my numbers, they look pretty good. <coughs> so 24 times 7 is 168. Okay, we work 50 hours a week. Or we go to school, you know, depends obviously what season you're in. Some of you go to school part-time. Some of you guys go to school part-time and work part-time. Some of you guys go to school full-time. Let's just throw 50 hours up there for work, school, sleep. Let's say, man, and if this is you, you can pray for me. You sleep eight hours a night every night. You're cranking, man. <clears throat> so let's just be generous and say, you're sleeping 56 hours a week. Now, if that's you, again, you can pray for the rest of us. How much time do we spend eating? Now, technically, you could say we could create margin during eating. Anyone like to just create some margin? Like, I'm just going to sit down and not think about anything for a minute except how good this whatever is, right? But let's just throw it on here and say it's not margin, even though we could probably say, so let's say, you know, we eat 10 hours a week, just like putting things into a hole in our mouth. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> we eat 10 hours a week just putting food into our face. I'm so thankful the Lord gave us taste buds and all that. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> and so let's just say we commute seven hours a week. That's roughly, um, you know, if you work five days a week, that's a little more than an hour a day. I don't, some of you guys actually have more than that. Some of you guys have a lot less than that, but I'm being relatively generous, I think, overall. So that leaves us with about 45 hours left in our week. Now, I know that some of you guys are saying, hey, we got kids, we got small kids, you know, like, I'm doing diapers three hours a week. Like, where is that? I have to cook all the time, right? So just... And different ones of you, of course, have, there's, there's no one situation. So different ones, you have other things that are they're just not on this list. You know, maybe you, you're helping a family member right now and it's going through a hard time or, you know, you got a parent that's close to dying or something like that. But so let's say, um, you know, just cut this in half, right? So that would come out to 22.5 hours a week. You know, you throw some kids in there or whatever, whatever unique situation, Again, there's, everyone's got different, there might be students, so that might look different for everyone in here. But just, okay, just say roughly, we got between 22.5 to 45 hours a week that are relatively free. If we're sleeping eight hours a night and we're eating 10 hours a week, thank you, Lord. Okay? So, you might say, well, how do I spend that time? If you have an iPhone, I just found this out a while back. If you have an iPhone, you actually have a built-in accountability buddy. Now, some of y'all aren't going to like me momentarily because I'm going to have you take out your phone. It's funny that Phoenix said that before, and we didn't plan that. Normally, I don't have you take out your phone, but today is twice in a service. So take out your phone, especially if you have an iPhone. <coughs> Go to, the, go to the settings piece. Now, I don't know if you have like an iPhone 4 from the prehistoric times. I don't know if it's up here. I do not own one. I'm trying to hang on this 6 as long as, I, as long as it will ride out before it dies. Okay, so you go to settings, right? Click the settings button. Click the settings button. And then scroll down. There's a three big segments down, and you'll see battery. It's a green thing. Click battery. Now give it a load for a second. Then it'll pull up kind of what you, the percentage of battery that you use 
in the last 20, 22 hours on my phone. So there's a little clock where it says last whatever hours. There's a little clock there. Click the clock. It will tell you how much time you spent on each app in your phone in the last whatever amount of time. Now, let me be vulnerable here. I said I'm, I'm leading from weakness and learning to, you know, make margin. I was actually pretty shocked. I had a little more time on a couple apps than I thought I had when I discovered this, right? As I said, some of y'all won't be happy with me, but let me just say just a life principle. Wise people seek out the hard word. <laughs> Wise people go back to their settings thing and look at how much. Right? So, so I, like I said, I was a little surprised. We're going to pull it back in, right? You can kind of more thoroughly track your time here in a little bit. If we can pull it back in. So you can actually see, and I don't know why it's not doing that, but normally it tells me in the last 24 hours, in the last seven days. You can actually see how you spent your time on this device this week in the last day, or the last week, right? Like I said, this is something that is, is now become my friend, uh, and I was a little surprised at how I was spending some of my time on the phone. No, no, let me just stop and pause, because we have a unique thing in our culture. We talk about making margin. We talk about being wise with our time. We actually have to spend preach about technology in a way that we wouldn't have had to 50, 60 years ago, preaching from the same text in scripture because it's a massive part of our life. So let me just stop. Why is it that we seem to be semi-addicted to our phones? I mean, even me. I was in the bathroom this morning and my phone came out. I'm like, why? Why do I need, why do I have the need to take out my phone whenever I have a minute, right? Why this person I'm at dinner with, you know? They went to the bathroom for a second, you know, oh, I need to do something, you know. Why do we have this strange, and if that's not you, bless you, that's awesome. But why do we have this gravitational pull towards our phone? Well, I was doing some research, and I actually found that social media and technology trigger dopamine. Social media and technology trigger dopamine. Now, dopamine is the same chemical in our body that God put there, you know, and we have it in some great redemptive places in life. It's the same chemical that God put there when we smoke, when we drink, when we gamble to kind of give us that feeling of, man, I, I temporarily feel good for a moment. <clears throat> so technology, like these things, if we're in a stressed out time of life, or maybe we're just bored, can become highly addictive. As Simon Sinek said, he's a leadership coach, he said, um, you know, we have age restrictions on things like alcohol. We have age restrictions on things like gambling so we can learn to properly use them in our life. But we don't have age restrictions on technology. And he even joked, I heard something he was saying, he said, you know, hey, you know, Middle school, high school is socially tough and cause a little anxiety. Let's have a tablet, you know, to kind of work out some of your anxiety. Don't we kind of do that? Have a phone. Get connected to everything. Now, again, 
There's, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with technology. There's nothing wrong, as I said last week, with, I'm on Instagram. You know, I, I, I'm a grammar. I like Instagram. And if some of you don't know what I'm talking about, just hang tight. So there's nothing wrong in and of itself with our phones or technology at all. In fact, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But the reality is we can have a tendency when we become anxious, and as I said last week, we're not trusting God with our responsibilities, to find false comfort in this just like we would, this is kind of what uh, God Simon Sinek was saying, just like we would in the bottle or just like we would in gambling or just like we would if something else that triggers dopamine in our life. As I said last week, we, we kind of hit a tough spot and all of a sudden, boom, the comforter. Boom, you're unchanging, phone. You're always faithful, <laughs> right? We... we Tend the, we tend to find these false comforts to help us deal with the stress of our lives. As I said, it's not bad in and of itself. I still have Instagram, but I've had to put boundaries because I am an addicted, addictive type person. I'm very focused, and when I get into something, I get really into it. We've, I've had to put boundaries in my life that my wife and others check in on me. So when I come home from work, Right? When I stand before God and my kids are at the altar at their wedding day, I don't want them to say, man, I know you love me, but you were really, really distracted. So what I do is I don't always trust myself with this thing. I got a basket I put this in when I walk in the door. <clears throat> Boom, put it in the basket. I'm fully present at dinner. I'm fully present with the kids. I'm fully present at each step of the way. I want my kids to have my best. Now, if you're trying to get a hold of me around dinner time, sorry, I love you. The basket is ringing, not my pocket. Because I'm giving my best to my kids and my wife. Right? So that's just one boundary I've had there. And that is something that we learned somewhat the hard way. We had a couple conflicts over that one. I realized I was on it more than I thought. So that is something that I've learned to do over time. Another one is I've now discovered my built-in accountability buddy. I check it, and I say, okay, Instagram was a little higher than I thought it was. Now, at the, end of, at the end of the day, I looked at, I had a higher number of time on Instagram than I thought. I was like, is this really wise? Nothing wrong with Instagram. Is it wise? Right? That lead question, because when I'm saying, you know, that is saying yes to something, which means I'm saying no to something else. Is it wise to have that much time? So for me, I'm not putting this on y'all. I said, hey, 15 minutes max a day. For me, I said, I don't think it's wise for me to have to spend more than 15 minutes on a social media account a day unless there's purpose, right? But handful, I got kids, I got a wife, got busy work, trying to grow deeper with God, right? So those are just a couple examples of some boundaries I've had to put in with this thing that is a good thing, but it can become a bad thing because we have a tendency to be addicted to it. Just one other one I want to hit briefly was doing some research and television. Now, I saw some, the hours ranged of um, how much television people watch a day in our country. It ranged from 20-something to 35 hours a week. A week! In television, watching television. 
But just say, you know, I, saw, I saw this Business Insider article, 35 hours a week. That is almost a full-time job. That is almost a full-time, that, that is, according to this article, average. That, that means there's outliers, like far, on the, far more than that. <clears throat> that is a full-time job. When we are watching 35 hours a week of television, I just have to say, something in our culture is sick. Nothing wrong with that. We have a television in our living. You'll see it when you walk in the house, you know? Again, nothing wrong with it. But I want to say, man, we must, as a culture, be numbing ourselves. If we're spending 35 hours a week, we are numbing ourselves as a nation to the pain of everything and the sin of everything going on. We are numbing ourselves and not dealing with things. And we wonder why marriages and divorce rate is 50%. We wonder why our kids struggle. And all of a sudden, one day, they shoot a school. And we go, I wonder what happened. You know, 35 hours a week of television is what happened. I don't know. That's not always a reason. I'm not trying to, you know, there's, to, I dug myself a hole. But y'all know my heart. Wonder why we, why we feel unfulfilled in life. We're sowing into a harvest. We're planting some of the prime seeds of our life, numbing ourselves and expecting a good harvest. Now, as a church, you know, hopefully it's not 35. Nothing wrong with tracking with a show or two or again. But I want to invite us to be wise, to be wise in light of eternity and in light of God having torn the veil and inviting us into time with him in light of people who are our neighbors who do not know Jesus, in light of the gifts and call and beautiful ways that God made you to make an impact, in light of these things is a massive amount of time wise. Now, I don't know what number that needs to be for each of you. And again, I'm not saying we need to just throw it out and burn it, you know. Is it wise to be? And I just want to invite you to ask the question, what is wise for you? Now, for us, television actually is a relaxing margin thing when it's in the right place. So we actually plan and put that in. Television, this is good, right? It helps us wind down. But then we also have some boundaries with it. Make sense? Y'all good? All right. So whatever that is... Let me take a different angle. If we're going to walk in God's fullness in our life, our ability to say no to things will be even more important than our ability to say yes to things. It is easy to say yes to things, right? I love to say yes to things. It feels great. I can make people happy. You know, I can do everything, and I won't have FOMO because I'm fear of missing out Right? If you're wondering what that is, I won't be afraid. You know, I can just say yes to everything. But you can't say yes to everything without saying no to things eventually. Because every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something. Our no is as important, if not more important, than our yes, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to to be. And so I want to invite us to just practice. Turn to someone next to you and say, no. (laughs) 
Now that feels a little good. Right? You, you got a little power there. And of course, God is sovereign. But listen, you, as we said last week, you, you have control of what you say yes to and what you say no. You can't control every circumstance of life, but you have control of what you say yes to and what you say no to. As we talked about Martha last week, she was, well, if Mary was serving, and we tend to blame others, we tend to blame our circumstances, we tend to blame whatever is going on, but, and so often we, we drive with our hands off the wheel and wondering why we're just bumping along off-roading, because we need to steer, our, put our hands back in the wheel, say no to some things, and pull the vehicle back into the road, right? So there are probably some things we need to say no to in our lives. So verse 17 says this, do not be foolish, lost my spot here. Thank you. Jonathan, so encouraging. <laughs> Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, even a little heavier today than I thought it would be, but we need to address places in our life we tend to be foolish. And I join you. I tend to be foolish in different places in my life and still have a tendency to be foolish in places in my life. And so, we need to get real as a church. <clears throat> so that we can understand and walk in the will of the Lord. Let me just say a couple of quick things, and we'll, we'll respond here in a minute. When it comes to the will of God, so often we are trying to find the specific will of God, and absolutely I believe that God has specific things for each and every one of you. I believe that by his spirit and by the confirmation of others around you, God is going to lead you into very specific things. But so often, we're, we're, we're trying to find the specific will of God in our lives while we're ignoring the general will of God in our lives. We're like, what is my calling? And it's like, God's like, you haven't prayed in like a month, you know? Like, or like, what am I supposed to do? Like, who am I called to love in the nations of the earth or the orphan? And God's like, you didn't love your neighbor. You know, like, let's start with loving your neighbor and then... I'll steer the car once it's moving, you know? It was often we're in park wanting God to tell us the entire destination before we drive. And God said, just, just start with the general. 80% of life is lived in the general will of God. So I put it like this, you know, what, what did Jesus say? The greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus gave one last charge to the disciples in the end of Matthew, he said, go and make disciples. So one way we say it around here is love God, love each other, change the world, make an impact around us. So for Crystal and I, that has been our guiding thing. Now, God has specific things. He's called us to California. He's called us to plant this church. He's called us, there's some passions we have. But what carries it is us living out the general will of God. Me waking up and spending time with God and connecting with him. Me loving my wife, loving my kids, doing, being faithful in the general will of God has been what is carried into the specific will of God. Right? So what we've done in our lives is, okay, for, as our family, these are our main values, loving God, loving each other, 
and impacting the world around us. And then every season, we come back and say, okay, how are we doing these this season? How am I actively loving God with my whole heart because he loved me first? How am I growing in my relationship with God? How am I, then how am I loving those that God has put around me? What does that look like practically? How am I getting real with people in my life about my life? How am I then impacting the world around me where God has called me? And so what I've tried to do then is say, okay, so we have 22.5 hours or whatever. We are going to put what are called the big rocks in first. What are those big things that, man, I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to love people. I want to, I want to put those in first and then let the TV show I want to catch up on and the Instagram. Those aren't bad. Those kind of then fill in the other spaces that are left. Right? And I believe when we're trusting the Lord, there, there's grace to make margin in our lives for those fun things. But those aren't our main diet. Our main diet is understanding the will of the Lord and prioritizing that in our lives. <clears throat> and so for us, we, we have that conversation every once in a while, like probably, you know, once every month or two. How does it look this season? Probably once every couple months. Then every week, Chris and I have a meeting where we're just saying, what does this week look like? Are we prioritizing the things we need to prioritize? And what are we saying no to so we can say yes to the right things? We just went to Seattle to be with her family over Chris's break, and we wanted to see, we wanted to do everything because we're that kind of people. And we prayed and we're like, we need to do a couple things really well on this. Let me just say it was so refreshing. We said no to more things and more people than we said yes to. It was so refreshing. And we had a harvest where it mattered. We had a harvest with God. We had a harvest in our marriage. We had a harvest with our kids. We had a harvest with a few close people that were, were closest up there. We sowed intentionally. We said no to, to a lot of things. We could say yes to a handful of things. Well, what I want to invite us to do, church, I know this looks very different for every person. Again, unless God's calling you, you don't need to go like burn your phones or something like that. Again, these are good things that become God things. So you want to ask that question, God, are there any good things in my life that have become God things? God, Am I growing with you? Am I growing with others? And am I making an impact in the places you've called me to impact? How does that look like in my life? What do I need to say yes to and what do I need to say no to? What I want to invite us to do is worship God with our time. To worship God with our time. To worship God with our time. And church, this gets me really excited because I mean, number one, let me just say, I am figuring it out with you. I don't do that really any week or any day perfectly. I don't. So I join you. But I am excited about the potential. If every individual or 80% of us say, man, I'm going to put a stake in the ground and worship God with my time. I'm going to get clear on what he's speaking and doing in my life. I'm going to focus on what God's doing. I'm going to focus on the people he's coming to walk with. I'm going to focus on the people he's coming to impact. I'm going to say yes to those things and then do some fun stuff along the way. I'm going to focus. There's no limit to what God can do through the church. We end up trying to have an impact everywhere and get filled up by everything, and so we end up not filled up or making an impact anywhere. So where do you say yes, and where do you say to no as we respond? Let's, let's stand.
That's the homework I want to give us this, this week. Are there some things in your life that you're saying yes to that you need to say no to? Maybe just one or two things. Start with one or two. What do you say you need to say no to in this season? What do you need to say yes to in this season? Just one or two things. As we respond, if I can get our prayer team up here, just a few things. Number one, just really felt like God wanted to lift stress off people. Sometimes we can't even look at the schedule because we're just so stressed by the anxiety. But I really believe God wants to lift the stress off different ones of us. Secondly, I feel like maybe some of us are feeling like, man, I am not spending my time on. I just feel like the Lord wants to give you grace. The Lord wants to get, beating yourself up is not going to make the change you want. Grace is the power of God to do the will of God. Grace sets you free from the shame of what you've done wrong by the power of the cross so you can step up and have the strength to make the changes we need to start to make. So I just want to say as, as your pastor, I join you in this. I'm asking the same question in my life. I'm not hitting the mark every day, everywhere. So I want to say we are giving you grace. I believe God is giving us grace where we need to step forward in different ways. And lastly, some of us, we're trying to run the race, but we're surrounded by people that are running in the opposite direction. We're trying to live a focused life, and we're surrounded by, and I want to invite some of you guys to jump into a community of people, if you're not, that are running the same direction as you, that can encourage you or challenge you, and say, hey, let's do it together. Let's, let's commit together to go this direction. Let's encourage one another when we fall short. Let's spur one another on when we're having a hard time. And let's give one another grace in each step along the way.